0: Hello from Austin. Hello from Houston. Today we are joined by a very, very, very special friend and guest, Molly Elizabeth Slamp. <laughs> um Hey guys. Yeah, the reason Molly's here today is because we're doing a really special episode, we're doing a Taylor Swift deep dive, and Molly is like the biggest old Taylor fan.
1: That's right.
2: So as you guys may have heard, Taylor Swift came out with a new album last week. It's her sixth album, Reputation, and uh, because of that, I and I believe all of us have been on a a bit of a Taylor Swift tear for the past week or week and a half, whatever. What
0: the fuck is a tear? And, uh, <laughs>
2: A tear. You're like, you're like, you're like gonna do whatever. <laughs> you don't
0: like even thing. know what it is. You said a. a it's terror. like a
2: streak. A, a streak. Like a
0: streak. Got it. Okay. Yes, that is true. I've been listening to Taylor for the last week, nonstop.
2: <laughs> yeah. Same. Uh, and you know, we needed someone who, who's been a long time Taylor Swift fan, obviously. So we're gonna talk about new Taylor, old Taylor, all of that.
0: Yeah. Because one, I think this album um, as. Some of you guys might know is also kind of contentious among some of the older fans. So it's great to hear new perspectives or old perspectives <laughs> uh, of, of um, an OG fan.
1: So I was that girl who, in middle school, would sit down with the Taylor Swift album cover. Mm -hmm. And you know how she does Mm. the thing where she capitalizes random letters in the lyric list? no, no,
0: I don't. I've never seen her lyric list. Okay,
1: so in in her album covers, she'll have some kind of picture associated with the song, and the lyrics are listed out, and she'll capitalize random letters in the lyric set and if you go through and pick out all the capital letters mm-hmm. they spell out some kind of message
0: holy shit okay all right wow i didn't know this okay what what were the messages
1: and it's always something that like gives you a clue about like who the song is about or something like personal to her about it Ooh. and so i was the kid who like spent my free time in middle school sitting down decoding taylor swift messages <laughs> She's like
0: the Nancy Drew of, like, (laughs) artists.
1: Like, sitting down being like, oh, my gosh, this song is about Taylor Lautner. I cannot even believe it. And I actually also, in middle school, if you had asked me what I was going to be when I grew up, Mm -hmm. I absolutely 100% would have told you I'm going to be the next Taylor Swift. Yep. Um, I was going to go to performing arts high school. I was going to, I was writing songs. I was going to be Taylor Swift. And Molly's also an incredible, amazing singer. Maybe we'll get her to sing a little bit. This is true. I can confirm. That's not going to (laughs) happen. Maybe.
0: I first heard Taylor Swift uh, when Love Story came out, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure that was a lot of our first meetings with Taylor Swift. I I was obsessed with her for a little while. My relationship with Taylor Swift was like, over the years, as she kept producing songs and the singles, I was like, these are really, really good pop songs, but never really listened to any of her albums until last year that's when i went through her entire discography and discovered you know just how like consistently and prolifically she wrote songs and it made me really appreciate taylor swift as an
1: artist
2: yeah my story is pretty much the same you know i've always loved taylor swift singles but i never really listened to any of her deep cuts until last year i was the uh musical director for a musical that was based around taylor swift's music mm. and because of that i had to learn something about taylor swift so i ended up listening to a lot of her deeper cuts and she is very good
0: <laughs> yeah um i i like to think of her progression you know we we all know that she's now like a bona fide pop star there's no doubt right but she did start in yeah. the country realm with self-titled And she didn't really shift away from the country until at least Red.
1: You could make an argument for part of a lot of Speak Now was a movement away from that. But Red was the really shocking piece where everyone was like, oh, Taylor's doing pop now. Yeah. Taylor, country Taylor isn't here anymore.
2: (laughs) I think that that. It's interesting because when I listen to her older music now, uh, it's really obvious to me that she was always going to be a pop star. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like, sure. yeah. but I think that, that you're right and that like sonically she didn't shift away from for, like she didn't hard shift away from the country until Red. But I think that like song structure wise, the way that she writes... Yeah. Like, I think it's clear that she, like, she, I don't know if she had pop ambitions, but clearly she was always a pop songwriter at heart.
1: Well, yeah. And that was something that she kind of brought to country because I did used to listen to Taylor on country music radio, in the car, on the way to school with my dad, in a Ford F-150 pickup truck. Um. <laughs> um, and...
2: America She's writing about me, dad. Merga. Yeah.
1: And, you know, Tim McGraw comes on and it's kind of this way for people who would not normally be into country music Mm -hmm. to find a way for it to be appealing to them because country music historically does not really appeal to young people. She was also targeting people who were that age. And so it wasn't only that it was really impressive music for a 15 year old to write, but that it was really good music for a 15 year old to listen to because mm -hmm someone was writing who was on the same level as them and actually going through the same experiences as them versus when you listen to older people, (laughs) which is what most of country music is, you think, okay, I, I get what this song is about, but they're not really talking to me. You know, this person doesn't understand what I'm doing right now, and Taylor did. And even though the music isn't like, it wasn't innovative, it wasn't a new pattern of song. It wasn't a sound that had never been done before. No one was like, wow, she's just she's just breaking in with this brand new stuff that's like, off the charts crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it was part of the fact that it was simple and it was predictable and it was relatable yeah. was what was really important to people who were listening to her music.
0: So I, so I have points, and I don't want to forget them so I have to say them now. <laughs> uh, one, I think it's It's more rare for a really popular artist to break out into the scene by doing something extremely new. What like really good artists do sometimes is just come into the scene and change something that was already there and make it their own personal thing. And you're like, that's the sell more so than, oh, look at how experimental and and innovative the shit is.
2: I would actually say not just that that's like true of her first album, but sort of that like that's one of Taylor's big strengths is that um, not that she's not, you know, original and innovative, but sort of that like her real gift is her like her strength is her songwriting and that's what she likes highlighting. And then beyond that, her, her like sonic palette, I guess, is that she synthesizes a lot of different ideas and personalizes them. I don't know that necessarily she does something that nobody else is doing, but, like, mm-hmm. she lifts things from different genres or from different styles, and she just, like, fits them into her own style It makes it seem really organic. So I think you're right.
0: Right. And, and you know, I think we're going to get to this when we, we really get into reputation, but, one, she's able to do that, and, you know, we're left wondering what is she going to do next because that, your influence is so ubiquitous that, one, she has the power to push mm-hmm. trends into the mainstream, yeah. and to she has the vision to highlight different elements and styles and choices, and make them very appealing to her audience. Like with Fearless, I think that was the album that whether you were country or not, that was the perfect crossover bridge for Taylor yep. Swift to go into the mainstream. All I'm saying
1: agree. is Fearless, to this day, is her best album, and if you disagree, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs>
2: okay Uh, i I don't i don't know if i agree but i will say that you belong with me is one of the best pop songs of the millennium and uh i think you belong with me is really indicative of her lyrical style in general which is specifically that so so when when a lot of artists write songs um there's a sort of age-old adage in like i don't know movies and TV and songs and like everything right all art art forms that specificity leads to relatability right which is kind of counterintuitive but like the more specific you are to your own experience then like the more relatable something will be right Mm -hmm. but I think that there is one exception to that which is when something is anthemic right which is when like something is sort of larger than life it doesn't really give you any details to latch onto, but it's like something that everybody can relate to because it makes you feel like you're a part of something larger than yourself yeah that's
0: how i feel about memes
2: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) that's exactly right and i think that taylor that's exactly like taylor's sweet spot is that oh, she yeah. writes anthemic music right and I think this is like that it's like it's it's a song that feels like it has a lot of relatability but it's not like she's saying a lot of stuff that that like You would hear it and you'd think, what? That's not me. Like, what are you talking about? You know, she's saying like, oh, I love your sense of humor and like the way you look. And, you know, there's that old Bo Burnham joke that's like, oh, I love your brownish, bluish, greenish eyes. Like, it's one of those types of things. You know, she's saying pretty generic stuff, actually, like, oh, I love your sense of humor and uh, you're with someone and I don't like that person or whatever. But it's actually really relatable because it's one of those songs that when it hits the chorus, you can sing along with it and, like, it doesn't really matter. You know, like, everybody can relate to it because it's an experience that everyone's had, even though it's not very specific to any one person. And, like, I think that's really Taylor's sweet spot is that, like, she has that anthemic style.
1: I was going to say something that's pretty much the opposite in that I feel like in her verses a lot more than her choruses... She writes lyrics that are really specific to her situation, that they're very personal, and that they clearly came from her just writing about, writing honestly about an experience that she's had, and that she writes things that are very detailed. That by virtue of just being open and honest about her experience, because most of human experience is actually really similar, end up being really relatable to most people in some kind of abstract way.
2: But I mean, I don't disagree with you. But I think that she writes lyrics that are really specific to her emotional experience. But her narrative lyrics are very vague. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, I walked into high school, and it's my first day and a person looked at me and smiled. And it's like, I'm not like, I'm not knocking that like, I think it works for what it's trying to do. I'm just saying that I think that like there's nobody's listening to that and thinking like i've never been in that experience whereas like for example when i listen to like i don't know someone like you by adele or something like i've for sure never been in that experience where like 15 years after I broke up with someone, like I'm, I showed up, I show up at their doorstep because I wanna like reconcile, but I realize that they're happy with some other person or whatever. You know, like that's like a really specific experience, but that's like an emotion, like the emotions come from that specific experience. But this is like, you relate to her emotions, but the narratives are pretty like vague.
0: I, I think I'm like somewhere in the middle of the road between you guys. I definitely agree that she writes and one of her strengths is writing really anthemic music. Um, but, you know, when I listen to Back to December, for example, I think that has the same qualities of someone like you that you were just saying mm-hmm. to me, because I've been in that experience before, almost exactly. And it's like, um, I think here's the subtlety. I was listening to 1989, and Clean is the last track. And I was like, I, I don't know if I really like it. It's, it, It's very vague. It's about being clean of somebody and using the metaphor of drug addiction drug addiction etc. But when I heard it again today, today, mm-hmm. when I was listening to, to Clean on Shuffle, it really hit me in this new way. Because I was in the shower, just listening to Clean, and I was like, holy shit, this is this is exactly specifically how I feel mm-hmm. right now, a year later, being clean. And um, I think she does both. Not that she's just endemic or just specific in her narrative. It's just, it's the cool thing about it is that it can actually change from being very broad and overarchingly endemic to very specific and narrowly relatable based on how you've experienced your life and when did you listen to that song, which is amazing. I think. Yeah, Yeah.
2: I agree with you. And to your point, Clean is one of my favorite songs on that album. So
0: yeah, now it is.
3: (laughs) I think
0: we've touched base on every album um 1989 red speak now fearless and self-titled and mm-hmm. it's time it's time to talk all about right. the album of the week the album of the year in terms of numbers and sales reputation
2: all right so where does everyone stand on this album at the beginning of this conversation let's start there uh you start uh i love it i think it's uh tied with the red for my favorite album by her
1: so Fearless and Speak Now are always going to be my favorite Taylor albums. Mm-hmm. And this album, I just feel very skeptical <laughs> and a little bit confused. <laughs> and I feel like now I'm more having to evaluate what is she trying to get us to think about her ah. in this song.
2: like and that like just the frustrates meta, Like the me. meta-narrative,
1: Meta narrative. I just, yeah, it just, I, I feel like a lot of these songs are responses to things that have either been said about her or been done to her um, that have been in the public eye. It, it feels less organic because it feels like she has some specific intention that she's trying to make me think, and so I feel less engaged with the music.
2: See, I don't disagree with you, but or I don't disagree with you that a lot of these feel like d- direct responses to things that have happened to her in the public eye. But I actually think that, first of all, the reason I don't mind it is because I don't really think you're supposed to take all of it at face value. Like, I think that that on the album itself, Taylor contradicts herself a lot. And yeah. I think, oh, that, like, and I think that, that, like, that's the point. Is like, for me, the thing about Taylor has always been that, like, Okay, so I, I don't know. I, I know that Kim has listened to some Kanye. And I don't know if Molly listens to Kanye. But when nope. The Life of Pablo came out, <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he sent out an alternate cover, right? And uh, on the alternate cover was plastered, like, which one, which one, which one all over it, right? And there mm-hmm. was like a picture of like, a, a like, really dressed up family going to church. And then there's a picture of like, a, a model's butt, like, it's just like, pure sexual objectification, right? Yep. And like the idea of the cover is supposed to be like which Pablo am I talking about? Like am I talking about like I don't know, uh Saint Paul the apostle or am I talking about Pablo Picasso the artistic right. genius or am I talking about like Pablo Escobar the like crime drug lord or whatever, yep. right? And like the point isn't that like the audience is supposed to guess. The point is that like kanye doesn't know because he's all of them you know and it's like mm. i think that the thing about taylor has always been that like she doesn't really know which taylor she is you know is she the like innocent high school girl who like falls in love with every guy because like you know she's like a real romantic or is she like i don't know the girl who wrote better than revenge because she's like she's like a petty person or or you know whatever like she can be no, she's like yeah she can be brutal or whatever like she's she's all of the above and this is like that album is like i don't think you're supposed to take something like this is why we can't have nice things at face value necessarily because like on any given day if you asked taylor if she feels that way she'd probably be like nah that song is like dumb like i I, like i'm not that person whatever but then on a different day she'd be like yeah like screw that person like they they totally screwed me over and I think the point is that, like, this album is Taylor exploring, like, is she the, like, the, I don't know, reserved Taylor who she's always been throughout her previous albums? Or is she the Taylor that, like, the media paints her as or what? Like, and I think the mm. answer is that, like, she's all of them. And that's why she contradicts herself on this album is because, like, she's supposed to be all of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I also got that sense from this album. And uh, my one sentence opinion of it is that this is probably the album I'm going to actively put on the most. Oh. Yeah. I I don't actually actively put on Taylor Swift, even though I really like a lot of her songs. Like mm-hmm. the context of which I would put on a Taylor Swift song is in the car with all my friends. I want them to sing along. It's like that kind of music for me. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's not something that I, 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 I'm feeling a certain way. Let's put on Taylor Swift um, for me. So I think mm-hmm. that, this album has been able to bridge that gap.
1: That's a really good point. There are specific instances in which I will put on Taylor, but I actually don't actively listen to Taylor. Like, I don't put Taylor songs in my playlists with other music. Yeah. If I'm going to listen yeah. to Taylor, I'm going to listen to Taylor, and that's it. And that's a really good point, that this album has songs that are playlist-alizable.
0: elizable. <laughs> <laughs> right, you heard it first here. The word <laughs> is playlist-alizable. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. Uh, Cue Philip DeFranco. (laughs) (laughs) So Reputation is a rather long album. It's 15 songs long. So we're going to skip around a little bit to highlight some of the songs on the album uh, to give you a taste of what we think and what we think the album is about without going into every single track. Don't want to bog you down the details. Listen to the album for that. Are you ready for it? (laughs) You're so clever. I know, I'm so dumb. Um, (laughs) He wrote his eyes and
2: exasperated.
0: (laughs) But Ready For It is the first track. Um, So we're going to talk about that right now.
2: Yeah, I I love this song. Um, So this song is kind of representative of a feeling that I have about a lot of the songs on this album, which is that like I can definitely see all of the flaws in this song, but like also I don't care because I love the song. So... Uh I mean first of all I think that like the throat clearing is like probably the coolest way I've heard someone start an album in a while. I mm-hmm, don't know why, mm-hmm. but that gets me every single listen.
0: Like when it loops around after New Year's after New Year's Day and you're just like, are you ready for it?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh yes I am, you know it. Um Yeah. <laughs> This song is like half the weekend, half like like blood on the leaves, bass and trombone or whatever. And then there's yeah, also yeah. like like I don't know, she's just like like Charlie XCX or somebody on this song. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. And I I felt I felt jostled by that <laughs> because something <laughs> that I really value <laughs> because something that I really value about Taylor is that I'm able to go between her albums and see growth and see which songs line up with which songs? Um, because there, <laughs> mm. Taylor has this thing where it is yes. pretty easy to go between albums and say, to go into Red and say, okay, All Too Well is the last kiss of this album. Yeah. Then you can look at those songs n- next to each other, and you feel like you're going with Taylor a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's something that I really value. And so in this album where everything is shaken up, I'm like, <laughs> ah! And... I really like the pre-chorus and the chorus of this song in isolation, Ah. but I really have a distaste for this kind of uncharacteristic beat that she's using because it just it sounds it sounds disjoint a little bit to me from the actual chorus, and I just don't know what to do anymore. That's exactly what Arash is saying. It's
0: the it's the meta it's the meta narrative. It's the. I don't know which side I am. Am I the regular Taylor or am uh-huh. I the, great, like, the uh-huh. crazy Taylor? And
1: I get it and it's great, but I just, I don't want to listen to the song. If it's going <laughs> to make I me think, confused.
2: But I think the thing that really makes it work is at the end of the song when she hits the chorus again, she, mis- mm-hmm. she yeah. mashes both of the sounds. Mixes them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, they fuse into one track, and then, um, and then that's the start of the album, you know. Yeah. Moving on, we're gonna talk about "I Did Something Bad." Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit!
2: This is my shit. The chorus to this song is like, was like the first moment on this album where I was like, "Yes, okay, I'm in." Like me too. Uh, yes this is it
0: that fucking glitch line god fucking damn it it's making <sighs> me do all these freaking expletives because mm.
2: I like barely have coherent st- thoughts I'm just like growling I'm just like ugh it's yeah, so good that's,
0: that's one of the pieces I think will be propelled into the mainstream from this album
2: mm. um, I would hope so
0: I would hope so I mean it's already being done I'm not gonna say that she's the first she's yeah. the first to yeah. do this but with this amazing portrayal of glitch pop please more of this on the radio more of this Mm -hmm. anywhere (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. um yeah um so just some like parallels to old taylor that i felt from this song when she says um if a man talks shit then i owe him nothing don't regret it one bit because he had it coming i feel like maybe this is the picture to burn of this album yeah
0: um Uh, that
1: that idea that like Yes, she writes sad songs about boys who have hurt her, but also she's not going to be afraid to write about hurting them back, and that's okay, and that you're allowed to have feelings like that. Yeah. And that it can be a sort of form of empowerment. Yeah. It's
2: like real life character development. Yeah. Yeah. It's really satisfying to hear Taylor embrace the like bad side of her, just like explicitly, you know? Like when we oh, talked yeah. about "Look What You Made Me Do," we we got into that a little bit, but like also it's really good to just hear her say like Yeah, like, sue me. What what do you want from me? Like, I am who I am.
0: So now we're going to talk about Don't Blame Me. Um, So in the chorus, she says...
3: Don't blame me. Love made me crazy. If it doesn't, you ain't doing
0: it right. I think in order for Taylor to be who she is and write these songs, she needs to be a person that's lived and loved. A person that is extremely passionate and prolific in love. Does that make sense? Yes. I just heard this song. It's called You Are In Love. And it's a song only on the Dulux version of 1989. So I didn't actually hear it until this week. And this song, one of the lines in this song, made me, like, stop in my tracks and gave me a new context for how I looked at Taylor's music. She's describing her and her partner... Uh, painting a picture of, of why it's love. And you're supposed to get it, you know. It's spreading activation. And then she says, and this is why I've spent my whole life trying to put it into words. It being what falling in love, being in love, falling out of love, love feels like. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened, but like after I heard this and it all kind of contextualized everything for me, it just made me love like Taylor Way more than I did before. Hmm. It's like my point of view now is like without that, there is no Taylor music. Capturing the essence of love is her drive and motivation to write. And that's like, that's really powerful to me.
2: Yeah, I agree. So that brings us to the next noteworthy song Delicate.
1: Delicate is one of my favorite songs on this album. Same same and i don't know if it's just because it has a little bit more old taylor to it um, it's definitely duh. <laughs> or what but it's it's this it's this thing where it's it's it has a little bit of old taylor to it but it's not her old charming taylor sound it still sounds really modern but while being true to her style yeah there's always kind of a staple song on her albums that's just really sweet and hopeful Mm -hmm. and, like, really cute about love being this sweet and, like, fun thing to engage in. And so I was going to say it's kind of analogous to Stay, Stay, Stay from Red or Mine from Speak Now, Uh Fearless or Love Story in in Fearless and all the way back to Mary's song. And these songs just kind of remind you that in the midst of a lot of Taylor's other messages about how love may be sad or how love may be frustrating or confusing that it's worth it and there's happiness and there's joy. I just know
0: that it's the song that makes me change the way I walk and snap out of the beat in the crowded room.
3: <laughs> Is it cool that I said all that? Is it too soon to do this yet? Cause I know that it's dead like it. Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? On the west side, me and you.
2: This is also one of my favorites on the album. And I think it's especially because it feels like like the first time maybe in like any of her albums that we've seen the real Taylor, which is to say that, you know, it feels like one of the more sincere songs in her discography. Not that, yeah. you know, she, yeah. she clearly is is really, you know, a sincere person. But I think that. It's not just like, like the way Taylor looks at love is often really cinematic or like a fairy tale or something. But this doesn't mm-hmm. feel quite like that. It feels like, like, it feels like a really personal experience, but it also feels really important, you know? It's and so yeah.
1: universal.
2: Yeah. And I think that the moment that, that really sold me on the song is as soon as the song starts the intro. They
3: sing for the best. My reputation's never
2: been worse so you must like me for me. It feels to me like the clearest signal on the album uh, that she is trying to like explore which Taylor is the real Taylor like I was saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Like it's a signal mm-hmm. to the audience because she says this ain't for the best. My reputation's never been worse so you must like me yeah. for me, which is like yeah. almost like like she's scared that that someone is in love with her even though they don't, like, even though her reputation is so bad because it's like they're getting to know the real her. And it feels like we, the audience, are also getting to know the real her for the first time. And it makes her feel really vulnerable and delicate. And it's like, that is such a, like, personal, intimate moment on the album that, like, as soon as I heard the line, like, I was totally sold on the song.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably one of the best lines on the album. All right.
2: Now it's on to Gorgeous.
0: Yay! And let me just say that I had the completely wrong interpretation of this song until, like, two days ago. (laughs) (laughs) I listened to this song, and I was like... Like, it came two songs after Look What You Made Me Do, and I was like, okay, this is a satirical song. Of course. It's a song that's like, what makes you think you're so special, you know? Mm. Um, But it's actually... You're so special. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, it blew my mind because the whole time I was thinking, you think that you can make me cheat on my boyfriend. You think that I'm obsessed with uh. you. All of these things. And I'm like, of course. Yeah, Taylor would never fall for that. <laughs> um, it's actually true. Um, especially this line. I love this line where she's like, If you got a
3: girlfriend, I'm jealous of her. But if you're single, it's honestly worse. Because you're so gorgeous, it actually hurts.
0: It's simultaneously the line that made me think, oh, yeah, this is for sure satirical. And the line that after I, I, I knew the interpretation was like, oh, my God, this is so good. She's saying, if you don't have a girlfriend, that means I can get you now. But I have a boyfriend. You yeah. know, it's honestly worse because I have to I have to do something about it. Um, nothing external is preventing me from doing yeah. something bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, like it's, my favorite line in the song is like, uh, or uh, one of them at least is when she says, uh, "You should take it as a compliment that I get drunk." Yeah. That's yeah. my favorite to line too. Yeah, just like I, I don't know why, but I've always sort of been into like kind of aggressive love songs, and this whole song is like, "Your face is stupid, and I want to kiss it," and it's like, it's amazing.
1: I have a story about this song. So I I still live in a dorm that has a community bathroom, and so when you listen to music in the shower, people know, and. <laughs> Now, I'm the kind of person who turns my music down. Like, if I'm in the shower and somebody walks in to pee, I am immediately, like, diving for my phone, turning my music down so that people don't hear my shower music. But one morning this week, I walked into the bathroom in the m- morning before class to brush my teeth and, like, do my hair and stuff. And there was this girl in the shower who was absolutely shamelessly jamming to Gorgeous. And most people have had some experience where they found someone so stinking cute that they just can't speak to them. But the point of the song is that this puts that out there in a way that's open, that's fun, that's shameless, and that acknowledges that that's really normal and kind of pokes fun at it a little bit and says, like, you don't really have to be, like, insecure about that because it's just the way that it is. And I'm just very inspired by how this song makes me want to be someone who doesn't turn their music down in the shower.
2: <laughs> Aww. oh shit, you know, Taylor. <laughs> you know, we haven't, like, talked about the Sonics in a little bit, but, like, I love the production on this song. Like, it is so <laughs> weird. These, like, weird, warbly synths. I don't even know what's going on exactly, how to describe it, but it's, there like... There was a
1: little bit of that indelicate, too. Yeah. yeah.
2: This song was produced by Max Martin and Shellback, who, you know, like, pop geniuses. Um, And they sort of... They also did... Uh, I did something bad and they also do the weird like wriggly synths on that one too. It's not quite the same mm. thing, but um, it's it's cool that they use like the same sort of sound, but make it like fit in a bunch of different things. And, and I think that's sort of what gives this album the cohesion that it has sonically, that um, there's sort of like some some statement being made about the, the like sonic palette of this album, but it's still versatile enough that you don't get bored of it. I really like that.
0: Do you guys notice that like in some of the songs she has like this auto-tuned robotic voice yeah. underneath? What well, I don't know what it is about that motif in particular, but I really like it. Mm. I like that it's interlaced between all the songs, and then sometimes it has its high point. Oh, I'm sorry, sometimes it's prominent, and sometimes it's just like there, um really playing up this uh dualistic quality of hers but like subtly but then also not so I, I really like that
2: the like the harmonies that you get out of that are really satisfying
3: listening for the best my reputation's never been worse so you must like me for me no nothing no so and I get to wake up it was the best of times the worst you saw the truth in me and I woke up just in time now I wake up by your side oh. Oh. This is gonna go Touch me And you'll never be alone I, Island breeze And lights down low No one has to know
0: Now we just said that Max Martin and Shellback Produced Gorgeous um, But the other producer On this album Is the one and only Jack Antonoff Indeed Indeed uh, We spoke about this dude Not because we want to It's because he's on everything <laughs> um, yep. And he's amazing
2: Yeah And I really want to talk about Dress, which is my favorite song on the album. And also, this is a superlative that I will stand by, uh, is, I think, one of Taylor's best songs, period. Like, top three, top five. Easy. Wow. Yeah.
1: I like it. It's sweet. (laughs) I remember when in Treacherous, there's this Mm -hmm. line where she says... I'll do anything you say if you say it with your hands. And everyone freaked out. I freaked out because was saying. Everyone <laughs> freaked out because Taylor had alluded to sex. And it was like the big scandal of Swifties for a really long time. They're called Swifties? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Where have you been? <laughs> Listening to dress and looking back on that, it's really astounding to see how much Taylor has been able to kind of move from that role where, oh, my God, she alluded to sex. This is like the biggest deal ever to being able to write and put in the album in the forefront a song like this, which is like very clearly about sex.
2: It's Um, like the new style because style is very clearly about sex. But like, it's
0: it's not like it's not as if our notions of Taylor has not been shed by this point. We've listened to Look What You Made Me Do. We've listened to Treacherous. We've listened to all these songs. We know that, you know, obviously, she has sex, guys, and all these things. And we know that we shouldn't be so weirded out about it. But this song doesn't tell us that we shouldn't be. It just affirms that we aren't. We listen to her. We're like, yes, Taylor. Yeah, go queen.
2: And I think that the, the <laughs> other thing is that it's not it's not just sexual it's also like no. it's like exactly it's like a really emotional song like yes. I, it's it is such a it's like that feeling of like like you want it for her as much as she wants it for herself yeah. and th- like one of my favorite touches on the whole album is uh, the sort of the exhales that she does after each line yes. Of the chorus. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: All of the silence and patience pining and anticipation. My hands are shaking from holding back from you. Ha, ha, ha. All of the silence and patience pining and desperately waiting. My hands are shaking from all this ha, ha.
2: Right. It is amazing.
3: Yeah.
1: And it's so much better than if she had just done a I'm Taylor and I have sex and you should need to be okay with that song. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's so much better than that. We've talked about
0: endemic to the word of the day for this episode. <laughs> um so let's just get into this is why we can't have nice things. Day. Did we just say that toast day. is fucking iconic? <laughs> <laughs> uh I can't even keep a straight
1: face. <laughs>
2: See, I think this is a really good example of like how Taylor is interacting with her media persona. You know, like I think that I think probably Taylor's, I guess at this point, signature song and also like probably the best pop song of the decade is Blank Space. And uh, Blank Space is like Taylor making fun of the media, making fun of her. And this one is like this song is kind of. It's it's like a sincere version of that kind of. I don't know if I want to call it sincere, but it's almost like, like yeah, I hear you guys making fun of me, but like also, who cares? Yeah, yes. and like I I know that I might seem like a jerk in this song or whatever, but like also, who cares? <laughs> and I love it.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, and through through virtue of her songwriting and her persona, like this is the kind of thing that just happens and. It's just baffling to me because, like, I don't think any normal person really understands what that means to be in that Taylor Swift shoes, you know?
1: <laughs> I, that's kind of what um, The Lucky One was about. Yep. This idea that, like, yeah, okay, you think I'm the lucky one. My name is up in lights. But really, like, it's not all that you think it is. And this is a really good way to take that and instead of putting it in the serious kind of sappy tone of of the lucky one, to have it just be in a fun, playful way where she's like, you think this is great. It's not that great. But who cares? I'm living my life. And, you know, the people that I do like, I like a lot.
2: You know, I just uh, I just realized something while you were talking about this, which is that. Um obviously one of the people that Taylor's talking about is Katy Perry. And uh, you know, they have like a feud that's been, you know, going on since their last album. But uh uh something that i just realized is that taylor's the chorus to this song uh, matches the production to roar pretty closely it's like the the like sort of oh. quarter note pianos but these like huge drums and bass that's like you know really groove focused and i think that like the the comparison between those is like a really good way to illustrate the difference which is like roar is like this really sappy slightly annoying empowerment song and this song is just like screw all of this I hate all of you like I'm out to get mine
1: I
0: think at this point in the album, this is where I got the the overall um, message. Mm -hmm. You know, you start off with this. uh, She even said it. She said, you know, I started writing this album from a really like rebellious and uh, pissed place. Right. Um, But as I kept writing it, I really tuned in into what was really important to me. And, you know, a lot of the latter songs, especially this next one, Call It What You Want, um, it's a really good summary of where her her state of mind is now and, you know, being in love and that being in love and being content with where she is, is where the next chapter of her life is. This last song, New Year's Day, is the only ballad on the album. And it's the one with just her on the piano, Jack on the guitar. Um, I think that this is my favorite song on the album.
2: It's beautiful. I mean, it's it's great.
1: This song, before I even press play, just by looking at the song title, I knew exactly what was coming. Because Taylor does this thing all the time with songs either at the very end or towards the end of her, her albums. It's this classic Taylor idea of holding on to memories and being really intentional about not letting things in the past slip away from you, which was really nice to ground this album out because so much of this album is about her changing and being different and moving forward and leaving behind some of that um, old Taylor, young Taylor, naive Taylor behind. Um, But she keeps this idea of holding on to memories and that the past is something that shapes who you are now and that you need to keep those things in your mind, that they're part of your experience.
2: Uh, i i really specifically like the 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 like the actual imagery and the framing of this song the idea yeah. not oh, just yeah. that like like it's not just that, like oh i love you and like you're the one i want to be with or whatever but it's specifically like there's been this new year's party everybody has been here the place is a mess blah 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 but like yeah. what really matters is who's, who's there after the party's done and yeah, like yeah. who do you want to be with at the end of the night and that is like i, I don't know it's it, like i was saying earlier taylor often is uh speaks in a pretty emotional language like she keeps her narratives pretty vague mm-hmm. but like the like really concrete imagery and like just I, I don't know it felt really personal and i feel like i came away from this album knowing a lot more who taylor swift is than i have from any of her previous albums
0: oh yeah, yeah.
3: for sure there's glitter on the floor after the party girls carrying the shoes down in the lobby Candle wax and Polaroids on the hardwood floor. You and me from the night before, but... Don't read the last page, but I stay. When you're lost and I'm scared and you're turning away. I want your midnights, but I'll be cleaning up bottles with you on New Year's
0: Day. I think that imagery that you're talking about is... Mm. Kind of goes back to what the line that I really like from Taylor. The the she's been trying to write every song to try to capture that moment of of love. Um, the thing about love songs is that it gives you this feeling of like secondhand love. That even if you've never experienced love in that way, through the song you can see how that would be love. Mm. And a lot of it, you know, when it falls short, it's because it doesn't viscerally do that. It's such a big gap in songwriting to get from an experience you've never felt and never had to feel something that you want, in this case, love. You know, I've never had a New Year's party where I had to go clean up bottles afterwards with someone, but that imagery bridges that huge gap between never having an experience and still knowing that it's love. Um... Which is why it's 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 the sweetest song, um, I think. We talked about Bleachers gone now in our very first episode, and how I said don't take the money is one of the sweetest love songs I've heard. And this, you know, Jack also co-wrote this, and I just I just feel this extremely big smile whenever I hear it. Um, and one of the best lines to come out of this album is on this song, when she sings,
3: please. Don't ever become a stranger whose laugh I could recognize anywhere.
1: That shit please hits you in the sternum. Don't that line to <laughs> me was the same line as in um, Long Live when she says, promise me this, if you have children someday, when they point to the pictures, please tell them my name. Mm-hmm. These were That was the same thing for me, oh, where okay. it just it hits you and you're like, yeah, you know what? time moves on and people forget about people but there's going to be something that links you guys together forever because the experience that you had is never gone and is still something that was formative in making both of you yeah um you know this is kind of similar to
0: i said this too but taylor's like the queen of bridges and she had this bridge in enchanted where she's like you know
1: please don't
0: be in love with someone and else. You know, that's that part. This, you know, every time she starts with the please don't ever become a stranger whose laugh I can recognize anywhere. Oh, I, yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's not just because just it's the first word that like it's the same. It's It's the same sentiment. It's like this genuine expression of what I really want is this. Yes. Don't do yes. this.
1: Like, yes, there's this really raw authenticity to it of her just kind of, like, begging and hoping with all of her being, like...
0: Yeah, it's my favorite song on the record.
1: <laughs> and it's the last song on the record, so...
2: So we talked about a bunch of the songs on the album, but uh, overall, what are you guys' closing thoughts? I think we neglected a little
0: bit to speak about the production and the sonics. Um, I know i tried to on uh, some of the songs... And we alluded to some of it. But uh, just as a broad overview, this is, like, really, really good pop. Yeah. Right? There's Max Martin, Shellback, Jack Antonoff, uh, three amazing producers on this album, and Taylor Swift. She's also an executive producer. And you can hear a lot of um, all of those influences, especially Jack. But you can also hear a lot of, like, nuances with Taylor and her... You know what we said about the meta narrative and her dualistic qualities, and this progression um, into this new state of mind that she's been in through the production of the the album. It's a lot of really cool touches that I think you know after you've done your lyrics past and listened. To what we had to say about the meaning of it all. Really, just pay attention to the production. It's it's amazing
1: stuff. So my closing thoughts are mostly addressed to people like me who whose apprehensions with the album are mostly to do with the idea of severing ties to old Taylor Mm -hmm. or are uncomfortable with the idea of too much change from Taylor. I think it's an important thought experiment to consider how you might feel differently about this album if you were listening to it in isolation like it was the first Taylor Swift album you'd ever heard. Hmm. You know, if you had heard this album knowing nothing about Taylor Swift, how would you feel differently about it than the way you do right now where you have some skepticism because you're holding on to older versions of Taylor and older sounds of Taylor? Mm. Um, So I would just challenge you guys to try that and see if that affects your thoughts.
2: First off, I want to echo what Keem said, that the production is incredible on this album. And also, you know, Taylor does take from her influences, clearly. she she It's not uh, wholly innovative, but I think that this album, more than any of her others, is really sonically innovative. And mm-hmm. if, you know, six months from now we're hearing uh, a lot of music that sounds like this, I would be really comfortable saying that, like, you know this, is, a, this is, yeah, this is a sound because Taylor did it on her album, you know, which isn't necessarily true of like previous sounds. But here I, I feel like there is something really unique here. Um, and second, I want to say that this album is, is really personal and intimate. It is also really anthemic, as we were saying. And uh, I, I think that Taylor's exploration of her identity and her self-awareness, and you know her ability to sort of speak to to every part of her audience, whether it's the media who you know constantly criticizes slash worships her, or whether it's her mm-hmm. fans who you know can have a complicated relationship with her, or whether it's the the you know just the general haters, her arch enemies, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, the person she loves. Yeah, exactly. Like w- all of these different people she speaks to them really masterfully and it's really interesting to see her explore all the different facets of her identity and see which ones she wants to keep which ones she believes in which ones are a part of her and which ones aren't you know like i think that it's difficult to say that any of us can relate to being famous but I think we can all relate to trying to figure out who we are and yeah. how that is the same and different from how every, who everybody else thinks we are. And you know, what are the things that are important to us? Uh, is it love? Is it the people in our lives? Is it whatever? Is it not caring about what anybody thinks? All of that. And I think that I came away from this album knowing who Taylor is a lot better than I have from any of her previous albums. And mm. it's one of my favorites by her. It's a blast.
0: I'm always looking forward to a Taylor Swift album, the next Taylor Swift album that comes, because whatever she does somehow will be manifested elsewhere. And it's really hard to pinpoint, you know, like who's who's gotten inspiration from Taylor Swift, who's been able to be successful because of Taylor Swift. But the numbers, you know, abstractly we know are numerous. I don't think she's going anywhere uh, as a force to be reckoned with in music. And I really like that about Taylor, that we are following her through a progression of now six albums and continuing to evolve, learn more about her. She's continuing to evolve in this really cool way that's not just cool for the listeners, but for the music industry. She has so much uh, influence and power Um, for what less than 30 years old. um, I'm just really excited that someone like Taylor exists right now. That's it for this episode of Drumroll, Please. Um, it's it's definitely something that we haven't done before. Uh, a massive shout out to Molly for coming on and talking to us.
1: Yeah, no problem. Love you guys.
0: Thank you. Love you too, Molly. <laughs> we love Molly. Um, if you like what we do, if you like what we talk about, please share our podcast to anyone you know, any Taylor's, fans any swifties Swifties, as they're called (laughs) or anyone that's apprehensive about listening to reputation if you like our podcast please subscribe to us on itunes we're also on almost any other platforms you can find podcasts uh don't forget to leave us a review we would greatly appreciate that also follow us on social media we're on twitter and instagram and facebook at please drumroll our facebook page also includes all of the episodes and a direct way to message us if you feel so inclined.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: See you next week. Bye. (laughs) What do you mean you can't believe it? It says tan skin.
2: Yeah, because Taylor Lautner has a has a monopoly on tan skin in America.
0: Hey, hey, stop talking. Just because you're brown,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was catchy enough. You know, I know you how much you love that one song by that one person. Sorry, cut that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know what
1: song you're talking about. Um, what? Did you say nothing important came out on self-titled? Because that's a lie.
2: I just meant that like nothing that people would have heard of. Like, stop. Tim McGraw
1: Tim McGraw was on country music radio for so long. Okay. It English, was. So country was. Music
2: Radio was irrelevant. Shut, shut until up, up shut up, shut up, shut up. That's false.
1: You're a liar. Okay, okay, okay. I'm
0: I'm gonna to i I'm gonna get out of this. Um I said previously. Oh no, I did not, because we cut that bit. Shit. I remember a bit that we've cut in a previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that.
1: <laughs> All the way back to Mary's song. Very song
0: <laughs> that's from self-titled by the way <laughs> that's why you don't know it because it's <laughs> from self-titled it's it's there it. <laughs> don't invalidate self-titles <laughs> stop it <laughs> we give it so much hate
1: um,
3: oh. who-
0: lipstick is taylor's lipstick is like teeth
3: For Lord. <laughs> what
0: <laughs> what <laughs> I think Probably. they're all gonna. They should make a. They should make a triple album. Ew, oh, yeah.
3: stop
1: it. Ew, <laughs> stop it. She says.
3: Dude, you're Morten wrong Taylor, about Carly.
2: Morten,
1: no, okay.
2: <laughs> you're wrong about we're Carly. We're gonna
1: have. We're gonna have a versus. You guys.
0: Oh my God. Carly. Yes.
2: Please. Look at it so down.
1: <laughs> his uh, my phone's no, about to die. He's a Carly scholar, and I'm just a girl who's like, hey. this sounds irrelevant.
2: Don't look at me like that. Damn. uh.
1: (laughs) I've been looking at you like that the whole time. You just didn't know it.
2: Well, okay.
1: (laughs) Every time you say like some kind of absolutist statement where you're like, oh, this might be the blah, blah, blah ever. I'm like...
2: I haven't said that. Honey. I I think this is the first one I've said. Maybe not. Whatever.
1: Mm, I was right to walk away, but you're quicksand. This love is... Treacherous. Treacherous. So now we're going to talk about Moving on, we're gonna talk about... I'm just really excited for us to talk about... I think it's time to talk about... I
2: really wanna talk about... So,
1: it's time for us to talk about... This song
0: I have a lot to say about.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> we going to keep this on the bloopers. <laughs> this is the bloopers.